welcome to the podcast In Progress by TravelFit. I'm your host, Chris Walker, the founder of TravelFit. I'll be taking you on a journey where I interview small business entrepreneurs to worldwide celebrities, where we hear each person's stories and how they overcame their own challenges to achieve their professional and personal goals in life. We dive into how to create a successful life through health, fitness, and developing a stronger mindset, and how travel can impact our life for the better. If you feel stuck in life, then this podcast is for you. Thanks so much for listening in today. Before we jump into the episode about what it's about, who's it with, we just have one favor to ask. This podcast is not affiliated by any brands or businesses and not sponsored. Everything we create on here is completely from us and completely funded by us. All we ask is that you share this with a friend, family member on social media, leave us a review or even jump on the website and grab a shirt. This helps to support us in this journey and allows us to continue to inspire more people with amazing stories from all our guests. Once again, thank you for listening in and enjoy. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Today's interview is with Neam Sullivan, cancer survivor, journalist, founder of Infix, speaker, a Make-A-Wish ambassador, and Forbes 30 Under 30 semi-finalist. Her story really began in 2008 when doctors found a tumor the size of a grapefruit on her lungs. Just like that, she was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and starting her cancer treatment at the age of just 11 years old. After beating cancer with the support from her family, she soon found herself studying at university and made her way to Channel 7 for a few years before creating her own business, which was inspired by her trips traveling overseas and realizing the power of stories and human connection. She found a passion for storytelling and this led her to helping other brands and businesses thrive in their own life. We dive into how she overcame her cancer, her mental attitude during her time, which cultivated her strong mindset, her upbringing and what it was like, shifting your mindset and how to kickstart your business and what is really important in life. This episode will not only just inspire, but also educate and make you realize what this world has to offer you once you start taking action towards your goals. Thanks so much for listening in and enjoy. Thanks so much for joining the podcast today. For people listening in, who are you and what is it that you do? Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So my name is Neve Sullivan and I'm a business owner and speaker and a writer. I run Infix and we work with tech startups that are looking to launch, scale and raise. Epic. So before we dive into your business and um, a little bit of the nitty gritty stuff, let's talk about your story and your upbringing because you've got like a super inspiring story. Like I'm pretty stoked to share it because it's like, just like, it's so nice. Like it's feel good vibes, but it also like showcases like the amount of resilience that you have in yourself um, and just like 
the clear perspective shift that you can change like any narrative. So um, let's talk about where you were born, uh, what your upbringing was like, and how you got yourself into some of the positions you did. Perfect. Well, thank you for your kind words, firstly. Um, I was born in Melbourne. I've got one sister and we grew up there. We spent the first few years of life in Melbourne with mum and dad. And I think you can ask anyone in my life and they will tell you I was a very chatty kid and I had so many questions. I drove everyone crazy with the why, how, what, and just the constant stream of questions. And I guess as I've gotten older, that also hasn't really changed too much. Um, so I lived in Melbourne till I was about nine. Then I moved to Sydney, lived there till I was about 14, and then moved up, up to Kingscliff, which is just on the border of New South Wales and Queensland. So I moved around a fair bit growing up, just purely for mostly my parents' work. They had jobs pop up in new places. And for me and my sister, that meant that we got the opportunity to move around, meet new people, go to new schools, and, you know, really get to see a lot of the east coast of Australia which was a pretty cool, pretty cool childhood to have, to be honest, just the two of us and mum and dad moving around. And then it was around when I was 11 and we were in Sydney, I got pretty sick. So I had um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which was a type of cancer that they found. And I'd had it for about 18 months to two years by the time that they found it. So I got pretty sick and had a pretty long recovery and a pretty grueling treatment process. But that experience was what led my family to move up to Kingscliff to have a bit of a quieter, slower lifestyle and get out of the city for a bit. And what what was it that your parents did for, for their roles? So my mom is an accountant and she worked in corporate accounting in retail and property development. And my dad is an electrician that worked as an electrical project manager. And he worked on big building sites, managing the electrics for 40 story constructions, that sort of scale of projects. So lots of different projects popped up, properties popped up and we kind of moved around as suit. Yeah, that's Epic. I can see why, like, you're such an achiever <laughs> because you've come from big achievers, which they is definitely, cool. Yeah, they definitely left big shoes for me and my sister to fill. And what is it that your sister does? My sister at the moment is studying at university. She is a law and film student. She's also in a band. She's a singer and plays the piano, and she works as a bookkeeper for myself and for my parents who now run their own business. That's epic. That's wild. (laughs) He also has a very busy calendar, as I'm sure you can imagine, with law, with jobs, with a band, with it all. Oh, 100%. And it's pretty interesting, right, because I always ask the question, like, what is it that someone's parents does or, like, what does their siblings do? Because usually there's, there's like, a little bit of a trend in the way that people, you know, act or behave or or where they're they're getting those first initial beliefs from what were some of the the beliefs that your parents kind of instilled into you that you think may have helped you through your your own journey with like you know the cancer treatment and everything in between my parents are really big believers in the idea that if you set your mind to something 
and you work hard enough for it, then success will follow. They were never the type that told us what to do, almost to the point that it became quite infuriating. If you went to them for advice rather than saying, you should do this, they would say, well, there's option A. And if you do that, X, Y, and Z could happen. And then there's option B. And if you do that, one, two, and three could happen. So they've always really led us to make our own decisions and understand the impact of our decisions. And I think that being sick as a kid, that mindset really came to play because to wind it back a little bit, the the start process of me first being diagnosed with cancer was pretty rough and it was a lot rougher than just being 11 years old and being told you have cancer. It was, to be honest, all a bit of a whirlwind. There was, as I said, they found it after I'd had it for about 18 months to 24 months, which meant that at that point it was the size of a grapefruit and it was in my chest. And as an 11-year-old, a grapefruit takes up quite a lot of your chest. So I was in, I was taken into the Sydney Children's Hospital and I went in for this surgery to find out what it was. And at that point I stopped breathing and all my, my organs started shutting down, which then meant that I actually spent 10 days in a coma. And when I woke up from that coma, which happened to also be on Christmas day, I couldn't talk because the tumor had paralyzed my vocal cords. I couldn't walk because my muscles had deteriorated so quickly and I started straight away. Well, it actually started when I was in the coma, but two years of very intensive chemo with fortnightly surgeries and the the daily medication and pretty much lived in hospital for that. So as an 11-year-old that's watching all of their closest friends that they'd grown up with move on to high school, I was in this weird limbo state where I didn't feel like I could do anything. I mean, I couldn't really do anything, but it didn't feel like there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And just having my parents to kind of open my mind to, you know, there's a silver lining here, whether that's, you know, it might be a visitor that you get or a special experience that you have or just having a laugh together, all of those little moments and holding on to those really opened my mind to the possibility that, you know, there can be an end to this and there can be, we can overcome this. It's just about holding on to those little moments, setting my eyes on what I want to achieve and not being held back by the people that said, you won't be able to walk, you won't be able to talk, you won't be able to go back to school, those sorts of things. They were definitely the biggest motivators for that. Mm. And from what I can tell you're, I, th- I feel like you'd thrive a little bit off that too, of that, like, tell me I can't do it. <laughs> yes, um, you are exactly correct. I'm very much a type A organized, set my mind to something, I'm going to go do it. And I'm a little bit fueled by the, the thought of, you know, if someone tells you you can't do it, well, I'll go and do it twice. So, yeah. you know, whilst doctors weren't out there to plant those seeds of doubt in my mind, they were only being realistic and sharing the facts with me there was never really a doubt in my mind that I would never walk again or that I would never talk again. Mm. And I think that's so good because in this, in this day and age and from what I've seen so far, I think a lot of people get stuck in the, okay, well, it's been said, this is it. So that's what I have to follow. And whether that be 
doctor, whether that be someone in business, whether that be a family member, there's always going to be these these particular sentences or phrases that someone will say to you or someone just doing their job and, you know, just covering their liabilities. And it doesn't mean you have to take it on board just because you get a cake mix with a recipe. It doesn't mean you always have to follow it. Exactly. I'm a huge advocate for forging your own pathway to success. And if you set your mind to something, it's then your responsibility to work out how you're going to get from A to B. And there's probably people that will tell you there is no pathway to get to B. But if that's the case, then you make your own pathway. You, you find, a, you build a bridge, you find a way around it. And how do you think that experience has shifted your life completely for everything that you've done so far? Because you're not shy of achievements. You've done quite a few things as well. Um, I'm going to say this, the news reporter or a journalist, which one? (laughs) We can go with either. So yeah, I was a, a journalist with Channel 7. Yeah. And then not only that, You've also like run your own business for a few years now as well and built it up to a team and worked with a range of of brands, well-known brands in the industry, while also inspiring others as well with your speaking. So what was the process from, you know, you being all clear out of your journey with cancer and stuff to, you know, then doing high school and doing the university degree and pursuing more? My Experience in the speaking world came pretty soon after I finished my treatment and I decided at that point that there'd been so many people that had supported me through the process and I wanted to be able to give back to them. I was a 13, 14 year old high school student. I had no obviously financial ways of giving back to them. So I had to look to how I could use my own skill set to give back to them. And that's how I initially got into the space of speaking and I was invited by the charities that had played a part in my journey so the likes of Sydney Children's Hospital Foundation, Make-A-Wish, Red Cross and a variety of others. They invited me to their corporate events, to their fundraising events and I shared my story, I shared my involvement with that charity and I showed the audience how their support would help people like myself and other children that were sick around Australia. I I really loved it and it was something that just kind of ticked along in the background right throughout my high school experience but I never really imagined that it would be something that I would pursue as a career so instead when I finished high school I had very bold ambitions of changing the world and went to uni to study international relations but very quickly discovered within the first few weeks of my first semester that international relations wasn't going to help me change the world and that it wasn't the degree for me because I wasn't a politics person and it just wasn't, it was nothing like I thought it was going to be. But I had to do it to know that. Um, So I took a little bit of time off uni and I went to Vietnam and I spent some time traveling by myself. It was my first time traveling overseas by myself. And I also spent some time working in Vietnamese orphanages and schools for children with disabilities. And as part of that, I met so many incredible people with incredible stories. These kids that had overcome all sorts of odds to even just be alive. And as well as the people that I met when I was traveling solo, because when you're by yourself and you're staying in a hostel, you start talking to people, they share their stories, stories of life on the road, life at home. 
and it just really inspired me. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that this storytelling that I loved, it, it could be a career, it could be a job. And that's when I started exploring the journalism side of things. So came home and I changed my degree from international relations to communications, majoring in journalism. And from the very first day, I knew it was the thing for me. I was in love. And pretty soon after starting, I decided that I wanted to be a TV reporter. So I just went knocking on all the doors, sending all the emails, speaking to everybody that I could to get internships. I got an internship with Channel 7 on the Gold Coast. And then that eventuated into TV reporting role on the Gold Coast, as well as in regional news in Tari in New South Wales. And throughout that experience, I loved it. I loved the storytelling and I loved meeting people in the community, but I knew that it wasn't a forever space for me. And that's when I started exploring copywriting, content strategy, and how I could use the writing and storytelling skills that I'd developed to help people bring really big ideas to life. You know, they had the ideas, they had the venture, they just needed the creative framework to make it real. So it started as a freelance on the side job, which quickly evolved into a workload that meant I had to leave or didn't have to, had to make the decision of whether I would stay with Seven or whether I would pursue the writing. And I decided Seven wasn't going anywhere. I could go back there or re-explore that avenue at another time, but went down the, the route of being a freelance copywriter. And then from there, my workload built up until it was time for me to set up a company, set up a team, start diversifying our services and you know, having copywriters, designers and developers so that we could offer the full spectrum of services to our clients and give them the true justice that they deserved. That's epic. And I think that that's a big thing that people struggle with is that jump because, you know, you've got a nice safe job, you know, you're going to be there every week or you've got this opportunity to jump and see what happens, which to me just like sounds like a vibe, but it's not, it it's, can be quite scary. Um, and you, you've got a, a toolkit or a skill set that you've like you've learned over time. For people who don't have that skill set or have yet been exposed to, you know, making those decisions or you know having the confidence to do it, like what advice would you have for people who want to make the jump but they're just they're just too scared? I think no matter how long you've spent refining your skills making any big change or jump like that is scary. So it's just about doing your research. It's about taking the time to understand the landscape, understand what other people are doing and looking at people that inspire you and the pathway that they've taken to get there. When you can do that and you have a bit of an understanding of how it all works, it doesn't have to be all at once. You don't have to jump and completely immerse yourself. I'd suggest just starting by taking little steps. If you know that you want to move in a direction, we'll use the example of becoming a copywriter. It might start with just a couple of jobs here and there. It might be interning somewhere outside of your hours. It might be speaking to other copywriters that are in the industry. And then once you have those little pieces of experience, you have to, you have to own that. You have to know, okay, 
you're never going to know everything. So realize what you've learned from those experiences and trust in that you will be able to apply what you've learned to jobs as they come and know that you're going to make mistakes because everyone makes mistakes and that's just part of learning. It's huge too because we're all looking for the perfect time to launch a new project or travel to that place or do whatever it is or say something to someone but time doesn't really ever stop and you just get older and older and (laughs) one day you wake up wrinkly so better to do it while you have the opportunity to do it because you know life life is super short as we know and it's like the thing I always revert back to that like I love is like you know how accurate is this it's who knows it's 700 trillion to one chance of being born and when you look at yourself in in that spectrum, you're like, oh, wow, like I'm really special. Like there is no one like me. No one has my da- my actual DNA or can have the personality that I have. People can copy. That's great. But everyone has their own flavor. And I, th- I think that's like the biggest thing that you kind of project there too is like you're pursuing this path of where you want to go and how you want to get there, but also just taking the the small steps along the way and being responsible about it as well. Exactly. As you said, there is no one else that can replicate you. You are the only version of you. And that in itself is a superpower because no two people will look at the the same project in the same way and achieve the same result. So even if you have no experience, that's already something that you have above everybody else. You know, you are the only person that can take it to that one outcome. And I think that the other thing you said that was, yeah, interesting there is there really is no best time to do anything. You know, we spend a lot of our time looking into strategies, strategizing, researching. And at the end of the day, the best time to do something is the time that you do it. Because if you spend so much time thinking about it, so much time, refining it it'll never be ready because it'll never be perfect so as soon as you've done it it's the best time to to do it because it's done Mm. what's some of the biggest challenges that you think you've faced in the business world that's kind of allowed you to learn the biggest lessons i think that starting in the tech space where we work now and a lot of our clients are very big, well-known tech companies. There is a lot of assumptions about how they work behind the scenes and you really don't have any idea how they work until you start working with them. And quite often it's very different to what, what you see on the outside. So for us, it's been a learning curve to understand the systems and processes of these big companies and how our skill set and our unique processes can fit into that and make their jobs easier. It's also been, I wouldn't say a challenge, but definitely a consideration in the sense that we're working with all these companies and we haven't necessarily worked with in big tech companies before. So we're bringing, bringing a unique insight and we're bringing our perspective and our skill sets, but it's just been a learning curve to understand how we can, how, how they work 
what to expect and how we can ensure that we are delivering the best possible results for them without actually having the exposure of having been in that company before. And would that be in a sense projecting like your own voice in those, those environments, like it is okay to have those, those different changes and like strive for different innovating factors in these traditional, I guess, models. Exactly. As I would say to anybody in our team, these clients are coming to us because you are the the thought leader on this topic. You are able to provide direction, strategic advice and support. And you're also allowed to question what they're saying or look further into things. You don't have to accept everything on the surface level because our job is to do that deep dive, to do that research and provide the direct, correct the correct direction so it's just about owning your, your skill set owning your experiencing owning your experience and knowing that you are the thought leader on that topic mm. and there'll probably be people being like well how do i become a thought leader how do how do i process this how do i how do i where's this, this the guide so in someone finding out and i guess this kind of got draws on the lines of you know purpose or self-identity or along those lines but what advice would in three, three steps, we'll make it three, <laughs> three steps that you could take, someone could take to become that thought leader and, you know, step into being that person. Obviously the process will be very different depending on what it is that you're working towards. But if we look at it in a generic sense, what I would say is step one, try it all, do everything. We come back to the copywriting example, try it every type of copywriting project, work across every industry. Don't just settle yourself in. I'm going to be an email marketing copywriter for wellness businesses. Even if that's the space you think you'll end up in, I'd suggest giving everything a go. Do landing page copy, do brochures, do content marketing strategies, do headlines and work in finance, work in real estate. Just get a taste for everything. Then find out what you love. So step two, that's when you niche it down and that's when you might say, okay, I'm going to focus my energy and I'm going to focus on working with fintech startups and we're going to work on the types of projects that they need to go to market. So they need a brand name, they need their website copy, they might need a pitch deck. Then after you've tried everything, you've narrowed it down, put the time in, just keep doing projects, keep refining your systems and processes, take note of what you've done, how you've grown and how the work you're delivering evolves. And if you just keep doing that over time, you'll come to find that your work naturally improves. You take client feedback on board before they've even provided it and it becomes second nature to what you do. And I don't think anyone ever in their own mind considers themselves the leading thought leader on a particular topic. But if you put in enough hours and you have your one true north that you're working towards for long enough, in my eyes, that's what it takes to be an industry thought leader. Mm, and that's so good. Just like always chasing, well, not always chasing, but always, always being willing to put the hours in to always improve and always pursue or what you want in life. It can be um, 
I think in business and I've, I've done this in the past many times actually, where <laughs> you put yourself in a business position and business may be great, but you lose focus of the purpose. So a, a prime example was when I ran my PT business. It was great. Business is good, but I wasn't, I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And yes, you know, success money can be, you know, ideal, but it doesn't get you where you need to be if you if you don't know why you're doing it. <laughs> is that something that you think that you've found yourself in positions in life or is it something that has been a bit of an easy process for you? I think it's something that naturally evolves over time. So as I've sort of shared, I've had ideas about this is what I want to work towards, this is what I want to achieve, and then you might get there and you might realize, actually, this is not what I thought it was and this is not what I want to do. So having the courage to admit my dream job isn't my dream, that's okay, but you wouldn't have known it wasn't your dream job unless you did it. So that in itself is a milestone and that's something to celebrate too. But when you do find something and that's your pathway and you say, this is what I want to work towards, it's important to keep that clear in your mind because life becomes busier, the workload builds up, your attention can be pulled away into every direction. If you've got one direction that you can pull yourself back to and say, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is why I run a business. This is why I work with tech companies. Then you'll always be able to keep yourself aligned. And you'll also find it easier to make decisions because there's a lot of decision-making involved along the process. And if you know why you're doing what you do, you can apply that to most situations that pop up. And it'll make the whole process of weighing up A and B a lot easier and I find that usually that means that the right answer or what's right for me or for that person will naturally come out Mm. on this journey what's something that someone said to you that was probably the worst piece of advice you've ever received oh worst piece of advice worst piece of advice probably was given to me when I was leaving seven and going freelance and it was actually said to me by quite a few people and it was you're too young you don't know anything about the industry it won't work and for me it did plant a lot of seeds of doubt at the time and I did find myself thinking maybe they're right maybe I've made the wrong decision maybe I should be getting more experience in the industry before I go out by myself. Maybe, maybe this, maybe that, and you go down the spiral. But I don't actually think that age should hold you back. I don't think it's your biggest hurdle. And in a lot of cases, and I think in my case, it's kind of been my biggest advantage. Being younger in the industry means you've got a fresh perspective. You're not ingrained in your ways yet. You're, you've got the energy, you've got the motivation and the drive to reach for your goals. And a lot of what you're doing is also, in my case, you know, being in the digital space, we've grown up in that space. It's, it's second nature to us. Someone that's 30 or 40 years my senior, they've had to learn things throughout their lives that I kind of was just born knowing because we all were in our generation. 
So I would, I would say that that held me back at the time. And of course, there's still those moments where people might say it or imply it and it, it can kind of plant those seeds a little bit, but it's important to remember that age does have its benefits too. Mm. And you're so, so true about like growing up in, in that era, you're like 30 and I'm like, um but it's so true like you know when i remember when i was growing up and the first computer i remember was windows 90 98 maybe pretty sure it could have been 98 model and you know there's this like fridge on the side of a screen and you got to press this button that it all starts up and then if you make a call can't use the internet and it's so interesting seeing the process from then to now and like the innovation that's happened over, over time. But also it makes me think about, you know, like the advantage I'd have if I was younger on people, um, because you would be able to see and adapt more things. Whereas I'm a prime example of everything I know is cause like I found out there was a thing and I was like, well, I've got to learn about that because that's a crucial part to business or even to my own personal development or understandings or conversations or whatever it is. And I think with the whole age thing, it's interesting because, you know, like I've got some friends who do really well for themselves and they're 18, you know, absolutely crushing it. Like, and they just similar. It's just like, they just did it. And realistically, that's it. (laughs) And if you don't just do it, someone else will just do it. So why not give it a go? Absolutely. And your idea is only your idea for a certain amount of time. So you kind of have to run with it while while you've got that idea. Exactly. Before someone else beats you to it, before the idea is not relevant anymore. That's, Mm. yeah. Getting it out there is the biggest, the biggest element. 100%. So, during this time, you run a business, you've done a lot, your health's been a, a big part of your, your journey. How how have you changed? Have you always looked after yourself mentally and physically or during this process, is it something that you've had to learn how to do? I would say that having experienced what I'd call pretty much my rock bottom in terms of health, since then, I've always had a really big appreciation for what it's like to be in in full health or full health for what that means for me. So I do definitely go out of my way to make sure that I am doing what I need to do to keep me in that state. And it's probably something that did come from when I was younger and I did have routine checks and regular check-ins with health professionals the first few years after I came off my treatment. But, you know, on more of a big picture scale as well, it's something that my parents have always ingrained into me. You know, we were really active kids. We played a lot of sport. We weren't screen kids. We didn't spend much time inside. We were, you know, our weekends were spent at the beach, surfing, playing netball, playing hockey. And that's continued into adulthood. But I would say that there's obviously challenges that come up running a business and, working full-time and you have to rather than just do it and find time in the day you actually have to physically carve out that time and say okay no matter how busy I am from 5am till 6am or whatever it is I go to the gym or I go for a run or I'll go for a swim at the beach and if I don't schedule that into my day now it won't happen 
So I've, I would say I'm a big person for routine. And I, over the years, I've just refined a routine that works for me and allows me to get what I need to do done during the day, but also allows me to fill up my cup before work or after work so that I can keep working and enjoy what I'm doing too. Mm -hmm. And do you think that that's something that like a lot of people get wrong in the sense of like actually carving that time for themselves? Most definitely. I know from my own experience that if I'm working around the clock and I'm doing a a week of 16-hour days or something ridiculous like that, I'm actually not going to be delivering the best work that I can. And that's not fair for our team at Infix. It's not fair for Infix clients. It's not fair for the people in my life around me, my family and friends, because I'm not the best version of myself. And it's also just not fair to me because I, I'm i not enjoying it and I'm not able to fully immerse myself and experience what we're doing too. So I see a lot of other people that work around the clock and they see that as being a marker of success. But at the end of the day, if they're working all day long, every day and all night long, every night, when do they have the time to rest so that they can keep working? And when do they have the time to enjoy the results of working so hard? It can't be all work. And I know it's easier said than done because life gets busy, projects come up, work hours fly by but it's something that's important in my mind to really keep as a priority and realize that it doesn't always have to be the exact same it's a bit of a continuum and things will rev up and they will calm down a little bit and it's just knowing that okay if I've had a really crazy week and I'm all over the place I need to have a very quiet weekend and just have some downtime and not jam-pack my weekend and vice versa, if I've had a quiet weekend, okay, I can wrap things up a little bit at work now too. Mm, and it's so it's so good that you ask the questions because it can be a dangerous field if you just ignore it. Um, exactly. And it's very easy for one slip up one day to turn into a week, to turn into a month, to then you turn around and you realize, oh, I've been working around the clock for six months and I'm completely burned out. A hundred percent. It, it's pretty crazy. Like it, it's a vicious cycle. And I know this from experience because especially when COVID hit, um, my transition from, uh, personal training, my personal training business to travel fit was through COVID. So mm-hmm. realistically for me, like it was a great opportunity because COVID actually gave me the opportunity to slow down. And, COVID didn't happen. I think I'd still be PTing today. So for me, it was a great opportunity. I was stuck in a contract. I couldn't leave. And it gave me the opportunity to do exactly what you said, which is like actually carving time for yourself and Mm -hmm. living, enjoying life, I guess, which is something you can work yourself to a point where you just don't know what living is like. And that's just me personally, but the conversations I've had with people too, it's like you get so embedded in that unconscious pattern of all right well this is what we do now we just keep going that the robot just keeps ticking and there's no exactly (laughs) exactly and you know as I said before I know it's very easy to go out there and say work-life balance is important because it can't always be work-life balance in the sense that they're 50-50 but 
in my mind, balance doesn't have to be 50-50. It's just about recognizing that and having that as a priority so that you can ride the waves and consciously carve out time for each when you can. What would you say to someone who's listening in right now and maybe they're they're reinventing themselves again? They're in their business or maybe they they want to start a business or maybe they just they just want to reinvent who they are just as a person. What would you say to them if they're just like, you know what, this is just, it's too hard and I just don't know where to go and I'm just lost? I would say it's probably a mistake that I've made and people in my life have made as well is that it feels all-encompassing and it feels scary, so it becomes so serious. Whereas advice my dad gave to me when I was younger and it kind of became our family motto was that a day without laughter is a day wasted. So I think that if you can just ride the journey and you can ask the tough questions and you can do the tricky things that you then, you can enjoy the process and you can have some fun along the way. And if you're having fun and enjoying what you're doing, then naturally you'll achieve the results that you need to achieve. Everything is so serious, Sally. It's wild. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And if you're so serious and you're so focused on those little details, then you can't see the bigger picture. If you're finding time for the things you like and you're doing things that you love, then you're going to naturally gravitate towards things that you're good at, what you enjoy doing. And that's when results happen. And that's when you'll find the the true north where you're like, that's the thing that I want to chase and that's what I want to do. Absolutely. Before we uh, finish up, I have speed questions. I don't know if you uh, heard that on the last podcast, but. (laughs) All right, let's do it. (laughs) So you just ask them, you just answer them as quick as you can. Um, They change all the time. These aren't planned. Not for me, not for you. There it is, whatever. Awesome. So let's go. So the first one is, um, the most wholesome experience that you remember? Disneyland with my family. Nothing beats it. Epic. Um, The best piece of advice you've ever received? Dad's words of advice of a day without laughter is a day wasted. I think anyone can apply it to their lives. Um, A book, audio book or podcast that you've listened to that's given you that aha moment? I read Lisa Wilkinson's autobiography recently and it was something that just really resonated with me. I loved her insights and I thought her story was super inspiring. A great read that I'd recommend to everybody. Biggest mistake you've made in business? Not trusting myself. Yeah. Decisions are hard. They're tricky. They can feel scary, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't make them. Epic. But those are the speed questions. And then the last thing... I like to do is you have to close your eyes. It's a little activity. It's fun. <laughs> um, All right. So what I want you to do is I want you to imagine that in front of you, there's an elevator and you can see every detail of the elevator and you're looking at it. It's got it's red gold and wherever it's taking you is the only place that you'll know but it'll take you back in time to a place when you were younger, when you needed to hear 
some words of encouragement most. Once you're at that place, I want you to give yourself a big hug. And I want you to say whatever the words are that you needed at that point in time. And then when you're ready, I just want you to say one last thing, which is thank you for the journey. And then open your eyes and let me know what it is that you said to yourself when you were younger. I would have said to myself when I was younger that trust in time. You don't have to know all of the answers right now, but that doesn't mean that you're not going in the right direction. So just trust. That's epic. I love it. Well, for people who are listening in and they want to follow your story of, you know, what you're up to, where they can find your business um, and just stay up to date with everything in between, what are your social media platforms and where they can, where can they find you? So they can find us um, at the business at infix underscore studio. So that's I-N-F-I-X underscore studio. And that's on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And in terms of me personally and the speaking that I do and the stories that I share, that's Neil Sullivan with two N's on the end of Sullivan. So N-I-A-N-H Sullivan with an extra N. Epic. Well, I just want to say a huge thank you for jumping on today. I really appreciate your time. I know that you're like super busy and yeah, I really enjoyed hearing your story and a lot of golden nuggets in there. There was definitely a lot in that, in this one. Like if people listen in, they will have a business plan by the end of this. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate your time and I really thank you for coming on and yeah, I can't wait to see the rest of your journey unfold and keep seeing you thriving. Perfect. Thank you so much. It's been great chatting. Thanks so much for listening in, guys. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and got some value out of it. If you did get some value out of that episode and you really did enjoy it, then share it with a friend or family member. Share us on social media, leave us a review, and help us make a bigger impact in the world today. The more we can inspire people to better themselves and level up their life through self-development, whether it be one little tip here or there, makes all the difference. And you might even save a life. Again, thanks so much for listening in and we'll see you next time.